Happy summer, DTM fam. I have missed our regularly scheduled episodes, and I, I just wanted to come on and give us a little miniature episode between seasons two and three, in part because I got a really interesting DM that sparked some ideas for me that I think would be helpful for you. Um, but I hope everyone's having a great summer. I have been spending time interviewing and editing and preparing a really cool season three, I think. I think it's fascinating. Um, that will come out in the fall. But for today, I wanted to address a DM that I got. Um, and this individual had posed this question. Do you have any tips on how to break through to family members who are too deep in the forest to see the trees and understand how the evangelical church does more harm than good? Does it require curiosity on the other party's part for anything to take hold? And there was more to his questioning than this. But when I read this question, it really echoed other DMs I've gotten, other other people who have messaged me or reached out and asked, how in the world do I talk to my family and friends who are not deconstructing about the fact that I am? How do I do that safely and, and painlessly? And while I don't have a foolproof formula for you, I do think that during this process of creating this podcast and having some beautiful and difficult conversations, I do think that I have some tips that might be helpful. And so I wanted to share eight tips on how to productively talk to relatives and friends concerning deconstruction. And and these tips are a little different than you might have for, for say, how to engage with people online or even people in your church, because I think that there's a difference between how we talk to people who we are okay not being in relationship with. So like someone online, I do think that there's etiquette that is very helpful to follow when you disagree theologically with someone online. But it's a different ball game than when you're talking to someone who you want to maintain relationship with for the long haul. And, and you know these beliefs can be a real sticking point. So these maybe address a little better those situations that you're more nervous about and that you're um, wanting to take more caution with. I do think we should be cautious online. And, and even with strangers, we don't expect to interact with again. But I think uh, most of us probably know what I'm talking about when I reference those particularly difficult individuals we want to interact with. So my first tip would be to take honest inventory of the actual situation. And what I mean by that is it might not actually be possible to have a positive conversation about your deconstruction with the person you're thinking about having it with. And even if it's possible, it might not actually be worth it. So it's, it's really important to try and weigh those two options first. I think that a lot of times for many of us, we have this idea that if we have changed our beliefs, we need to share them and we need to make sure people know and we need to you know stand up for the truth. And I think that this urgency often comes from what I like to call an evangelical glitch. And it's this idea that in the past, we have often believed if we don't share our beliefs, people are in danger of eternal hellfire. So there's a ton at stake. So we have this intense pressure to share our thoughts and to have other people change their thoughts to match ours about God, about ultimate truth. And so a lot of times when people deconstruct, they give up some of these ways of thinking, of thinking that 
you know, accepting a formulaic message will save people from hell or they give up thinking about hell at all or, you know, they give up thinking about God at all. There's just so many things we give up and yet so many of us retain this kind of uh, trauma response maybe, this urgency, this, this fear, this feeling that we must get it out there. And I would just like to encourage you to practice setting that down. Practice setting the urgency down. You don't actually have to tell people you've changed your beliefs or that you're considering changing them or that you're sorting through things. It doesn't have to happen. Now, there are certain benefits that may accompany it happening, but when you take honest inventory, sometimes the benefits don't actually outweigh the cost. So I think that's a really important thing for us to do. Another thing I'd like to bring up in this point is that for someone to change their mind, and to change their position, especially about something as important as their evangelical faith, it rarely happens with one conversation. I mean, think about it. How often in one conversation have you found yourself saying out loud within that same conversation, okay, you've won me over. I abandoned the position I started with, and now I accept yours. <laughs> for something that is as close to our minds and hearts as religion, especially for those of us who were told this is the most important thing, it can take years and years and years of little seeds planted of doubt or even just seeds of nuance, of change, of, of different ideas of looking at the same faith we grew up with for us to actually make a cognitive and emotional change. So don't put the pressure on one conversation or even just a few conversations to radically change someone's mind. For me, uh, I don't think of hell in the way a lot of Christians do anymore. And that has changed a lot. I am not afraid of people going to hell because of a mistake I made in a conversation. And yet, that fear remains. That urgency at times remains. I'll have someone ask about my beliefs and there's still this moment of, oh, I got to get this right. I, I got to tell this just right. And so being conscious of that and asking ourselves why, why are we so afraid to be misunderstood or so afraid to be wrong? Sometimes that can be really helpful. So I just think as we take an honest inventory of the situation, we can put pause for a second on our own urgency and see if this is something worth proceeding forward into or if it's better left for another time or even not at all. So my second tip is reframe your goal in quote unquote coming out about your deconstruction so that it's not based on somebody else's response alone. So here's the thing. We can't control other people's responses and we know that. And sometimes I think when people ask me about how to communicate, what they're really asking is how can I ensure a positive response? And the short answer is you can't. You just can't. There are things we can do to make it uh, potentially easier, potentially less confusing, you know, but we can't guarantee people are going to respond how we want at all. And honestly, if you're nervous about it, there's a decent chance their response isn't going to be what you hope it will be. So I would encourage you to ask yourself, what is my goal in bringing my deconstruction up with this person outside of their response? What's my goal outside of that? What is my goal perhaps for myself? Is it to be authentic? Is it to be doing what I can to be close with this person at a level that we're not close at right now? 
You know, what is the goal? Because at the end of the day, if it's only about trying to get their response, I don't know that you should necessarily do it. If it's about trying to have a more honest, open life and one that is curious and one that is authentic, then that that might be a reason to proceed forward. But if it's only about trying to get them to change or trying to get them to accept you, it might not be the right time to bring it up. In my experience, having these goals outside of something that's purely dependent on the other person is very helpful in being able to see the bigger picture when you go to talk about difficult things like deconstruction. So my third tip is be educated. And what I mean by this is that when you come to discuss something difficult about your faith or something you've changed your thoughts on to someone who has very strong feelings on the opposite end of the spectrum, it can really, really be helpful if you've done your research, if you're not just speculating. Now, there's definitely a time for pure speculation and there are safe people to do that with. But often when it comes to those we are most nervous to come out to, it's really not the time for just spitballing questions and concerns and angers. You know, it's time to have a little bit of evidence. Again, it's not your responsibility to convince them, but it is your responsibility to think through these things deeply for yourself. And part of thinking through these things deeply is doing some research. So I have found this to be invaluable actually and i have an unfair advantage because i have my master's degree in christian apologetics and have done so much study of theology and the bible and it's it's helpful for sure <laughs> it, it makes a huge difference when you can get your rhetoric right but the problem with rhetoric is we sometimes as human beings confuse rhetoric with rightness you can have a wonderful argument that is still false so having rhetoric doesn't guarantee you're going to convince anyone. And that's something we also need to keep in mind if they have good rhetoric. You know, you can have a position that is well stated and a case that is well presented that is still untrue. But it goes a long way to have thought through that position. And, and so I just encourage you to get in the books, you know, to do some actual research on particular topics you know may come up. So the fourth tip is you don't have to share everything all at once, especially if the education tip kind of got you nervous. I would encourage you to not share everything all at once. If you have different things you're deconstructing or different topics that you know, you're know you starting to doubt or starting to change your mind on, you don't have to. You can say, you can say hey, I've been thinking about inerrancy. You know, have we been treating the Bible how we really ought to be treating it? That's something that is, is bite-sized. I mean, is it bite-sized? It's definitely still a can of worms. But you don't have to go into, I've been thinking about inerrancy, which led me to doubt if God's real at all, which, you know, now am I, am I an atheist? Am I a nihilist? What am I? You don't have to do all that. You can pick and choose. This is your journey, and it is your right to express it how you want and in what capacity you want. So don't feel like you have to just have it all out in the open all at once. But be mindful of what parts you are going to share before you start sharing. That can definitely help it go a lot more smoothly. The fifth tip I have is if there's a boundary you want to set, rehearse it ahead of time. So if you anticipate difficult parts of the conversation, especially concerning boundaries, you may want to set with those who are more outspoken or perhaps judgmental, you may want to practice alone how the conversation is going to play out potentially. I actually think this is a great tip for life in general. I do this 
often. But if you sit and you think through how they might respond, it gives you a chance to go through your responses ahead of time and have some sort of game plan for when it actually happens. Now, perhaps there's a boundary that you want to set, and that might be something like, this is where I am with God. I don't want us to talk about God at family gatherings anymore for a while, maybe forever, or I don't want you to talk like this in front of my children. You know, whatever it may be, practice that. You can practice different ways of saying it and anticipate different responses, but it definitely, I think, gives you an edge on more smoothly navigating those somewhat uncomfortable conversations. The sixth tip would be say how you would like to be supported. So I have found that giving people a positive action that you would appreciate from them can be really helpful for both parties. This could look like saying, hey, I'm going through a lot. I would really appreciate prayers. That's a really kind of mild, gentle approach, I think. You, you could also request research. You could request space from them or even silence now that they have this new information about you. It's a proactive way of expressing your wishes while helping curb negative, even if well-meaning, responses that the individual may give you if they are not told otherwise. Now, of course, this does not work on everybody, but I do think it is a good sort of tool to have in the toolbox to at least try out with an individual, especially if you go into this thinking you have an action you want to see accomplished because of the discussion, a boundary that you want to see set. My seventh tip is probably my favorite one of all. And I think if you can't remember any of the tips, <laughs> this is it. This is the one. It's circle back to common ground. There has been nothing more successful for me in having positive and actually fruitful conversations with people than circling back to common ground. Because the truth is when people are passionate about deconstruction, either for or against it, we have a lot in common. And that's not something anyone wants to hear because we think the other side is so against everything we think a lot of the time. But the truth is people are passionate either for or against deconstruction because we care about thinking about God rightly. Now, the person who's an atheist would say, yes, because I don't know that there is evidence for God and I want to think rightly about that. And the person who is a Christian is saying, yes, I want to think rightly about God and I believe I know what that is. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And so there is this thought to think rightly about God, to honor truth, and to treat people well. And the truth is, I think many of us know and forget those people who are most difficult in our lives, those people who are telling us you're going to hell for this, those people who are obnoxious and trying to change us. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, that is how they know to love. And I think that sometimes, you know, in our deconstruction spaces, we forget. And maybe there are people who aren't like that. In fact, I know there are, <laughs> but I also know that when I was an evangelical, it was so awkward and embarrassing to try and come up to someone and tell them I thought they were living wrong and, and that they were in danger, you know, of falling away. And it was actually my love for them that motivated that interaction that was so offensive <laughs> and so hard, right? And I was misled, I think. I was wrong in many cases. I way overstepped at times but the care for people is there it is just skewed and we have to check on that and i think circling back to common ground is such an important way to say hey 
you care about souls so do I. I care so much. That's why I did this. You love Jesus. You love the Bible. So do I. That's why I read. That's why I studied. That's why I dug so deep. And do you know what I found when I dug deep? I found some things that are concerning. Would you want to check them out with me? There's ways of approaching this that are an invitation to discover truth together. And if we can get outside of ourselves and outside of our small desire, I shouldn't say small desire, I guess, but our desire to really grasp this for ourselves, for safety. If we can get outside of that and think of this as a pursuit for truth, we are each other's allies. We actually need people on the other side to help sharpen us, to help whittle away at our blind spots. And it can become a collaboration, but we have to point out our common ground. And another little tip I would have, I, I guess under this is, Questions are a great way to do that. If we can ask non-condescending questions, if we can ask questions truly to understand their position and truly to try and seek clarification, questions can be very non-invasive. They can be something that is, is a segue between what seems like the rough edges between belief and between opinion. And they can help find understanding between parties and so yes i would just say circle back to common ground and one technique to do that is ask a lot of questions my eighth and final tip would be have someone safe you can follow up with afterwards so it can be so helpful for coping with whatever response you get if you have another supportive person to be a sounding board before during and after coming out about your deconstruction with someone so of course, I think it is often the best course of action if you can find someone in person to be that person for you. But if you can't, definitely look around online. There's a lot of people in the same boat as you if you're having trouble finding someone in person who is a support system for you. And those people end up online in communities like Deconstructing the Myth. Look at our comments, send me a DM. You know, reach out to people, build connections. It can be so helpful to have that community. I think sometimes we forget a virtual community is still made of real physical people. And if we are willing to be, you know, a little bit open and vulnerable online, we can still make very meaningful connections that can definitely help us navigate the difficulty that so often accompanies deconstruction. A therapist is also another great idea and in some ways maybe a better idea depending on what particular kind of deconstruction you are having because therapists can really help with some of the emotional and traumatic aspects that come with it. So definitely know that a lot of us are ending up in therapy over these things and that can be really, really helpful when you know you're going to have someone professional to talk to after you've had a difficult discussion. You know, uh, having that supportive friend goes a long way for a lot of us, but especially if you suspect there are elements of trauma involved in your deconstruction, it may be a really good idea to reach out to a therapist before you proceed. Hopefully some of these tips will be helpful for you on your journey because there's a good chance if you're listening to this episode, you have someone in mind and you have a feeling the conversation may be difficult. I just want to encourage you and remind you that your deconstruction journey is very valid, important, and personal. And that the first person that you have to get communication right with about this journey is yourself. 
to be able to hold space for yourself and say what you are questioning, what you are thinking self is important, is valuable, and needs to be respected is probably the first step. <laughs> After all of these tips, I guess I found one more. So I just encourage you to be able to sit with yourself and your questions and give them the honor and the love that they deserve. Always feel free to reach out on Instagram or at deconstructingthemyth at gmail.com if you want to talk with someone or if you want to follow up with someone. I'm here. I get it. And I'm on your team. And there's so many more like us out there. Seek and ye shall find. If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.